I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode three of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our review of round one and preview of round two. This episode is brought to you by Snow Classico 2019 for when playing at altitude is not challenging enough. Oh, no, uh, wait. Uh, actually, it's brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the fantastic Patreon community of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. To learn more about that community, head over to Patreon.com slash MLSFI. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash MLSFI. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com. We're mixing things up a little bit tonight. I'm joined by regular co-host Blaine Riffle, and I'm also joined by Ryan Anderson, a.k.a. at MLSFantasyStats on Twitter. You may have seen some of his stuff uh, on MLS Fantasy Boss and uh, other places around the web. I'll let him talk about that in a second. Uh, we may have Mike with us tonight, but he has been traveling, so he may join us late. He may not join us at all, so we'll see what happens if his beautiful face pops up in the bottom corner at some point later on. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. I'm not going to say doing well because everyone always says doing well, so I, I'm doing fantastic. Never better. They were fantastic. Jason says hello, friends. So, oh, there we go. <laughs> well, I haven't heard him for a year, though. So, I, I just... <laughs> uh, well, we're happy to have you here tonight, Ryan. I know that uh, we had a particular question that uh, everyone was sending it to me tonight. A little teaser for everybody else. Everyone kept asking what was up with all these waypoints that were going on, and I thought I've got to have one of our stats guys on the show tonight and i'm glad you could come because we're going to dig into that in a second and Happy to be uh, here. i hope people enjoy that yeah thank you thanks for joining uh but first let's talk about round one our little recap fantasy focused recap so we're starting out as we always do how'd your teams do blaine uh 85 points on the round uh 502 overall which for an opening weekend is not bad I usually have a slow start every season, and this is no exception. I mean, this is actually better than, I think, the last three seasons overall. Usually I start somewhere around the 1500s, so I'll take a right, hovering at 500 right now. Um, I did really well with Ladero and Acosta, and then Zlatan and Rui Diaz both kind of came through as those single goal forwards, the poacher style. Zlatan got a bonus point. Rui Diaz didn't get any. Uh, but all of my premium players that I brought in, which I could fit four of them in, went up in value. Uh, big thing to look, look for is first week value and a 2.6 up overall. I think some of the highest ones I was seeing on Twitter and Reddit were around three. Yep. Um, Corey Burke was my only loss on value. I mean, without that, that's a 2.9 increase. And if I had grabbed somebody better, like a Dominic Baji or something, I might have been able to crack that 3-1, 3-2 mark. But I'll take my 2.6. It seems to be a pretty good average this week and go from there. I mean, uh, super subs, uh, Elliot and Hollingshead on the bench, That both I let them both come in at 4 and 5. I mean, when you're talking that 4.5 price price point and you're getting 4 and 5 points on them, you're not going to do any better with any higher-priced players for points per money on that. So got to go with it. 
It occurs to me that tonight we should maybe call this the the bearded review because all three of us are are rocking the beard to various lengths. Uh, you're winning that one, Blaine. I'm just the laziest one in the group. <laughs> uh, no, I got, <laughs> that I was got the reason help. why for me, actually. It's, 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 it's uh, baby anymore. Ryan, how's your team do? <laughs> uh, slightly better. Uh, let's see. Let me actually pull it up here. Um, so I got 86, uh, which puts me at week rank 40, 433 and surprisingly overall rank 433. <laughs> 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 I, um, I also had, I also had uh, Ibrahimovic. Uh, I captain Lodero, which I was very happy about. And I ended up picking up uh, Victor Rodriguez as well. And so those guys both got 14 points apiece. And so they made up the the bulk of my of my points, kind of sadly. But uh, my 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 favorite pick of the week was actually that I had uh, Sauro from uh, Columbus, my defender, and he got ten points. Yeah. I switched out. Uh, there was an, another Columbus defender Francis. that I had in there. What was it? Francis. I think yeah, that. I had Francis in, and I'm like, ah, he's he's going to be the the wing back or the. The other one, so I, I'm going to pick a, pick a guy that's going to get more bonus points. Well, turns out Soro actually was the one who got the goal. He was the attacking guy <laughs> that game. So I switched over to him, and he ended up uh, performing pretty well for me. But I had Holland's head as well. Uh, my bench was terrible, which is really good that I put all the guys that I wanted to in the uh, in the starting lineup, though. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty crazy round for some of these goals on the defender side. Uh, all four of the top scoring defenders had, had double digit points. I think they all had goals. Um, and then two Minnesota players were there in the, mm -hmm. the best XI overall. Calvo was in there, who I know Mike likes to rag on a lot. And then uh, Quintero was the best player to have been. There you go. Rock it out. Rock <laughs> out. Uh, Quintero was the best player to have been a captain this week. He got 36 points as a captain, uh, though Ladero and Acosta and Valeri Rodriguez, not far behind, 14, 15 mm -hmm. points there. So if you picked one of those guys, solid options if you went with Mike's suggestion uh, and Blaine's initial until he converted uh, <laughs> Tan, then sorry. Uh, I had a slightly not as good as you guys, uh, 78 points. Uh, my biggest problem that I had was the injury to Alessandrini, which I know a lot of people felt that. Um, yeah. Uh, sad to see that. We do hope that he does get better. Uh, we'll have a little update about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, so that was the biggest point to me. My defenders did fine. I went total budget like I was talking about. Um, Vega Hollingshead. Smith from Seattle, and then Francis and Wagner. Smith and Hollingshead got five points, which is fine. Uh, Vega didn't get much, and Francis and Wagner just got one and two points right there. So could have been a little bit better, but, I mean, budget defense, I was really hoping for most of it to come out of the offense, and Allison Drini would help me a lot. Also disappointed in Lee Wynn. Um, he was projected to be in the middle, but he ended up playing out on the right wing, so I think that took him out of a lot of the buildup. And, of course, Sporting Kansas City did not rotate anybody. So, <laughs> I know a lot of us were really banking on that for some of this offense production, and it uh -huh. happened. So, uh, but he got five points still, which is not too shabby for someone who really didn't do uh, a whole lot. Uh, wasn't able to do a whole lot there. Uh, also had Ladero Acosta. I had uh, Zlatan there in the front. I had Baji on the bench, which I was really happy with his five points coming off yeah. uh, with the assist. I think he'll be a good one to watch going forward. Uh, so you know, it's not a bad round uh, overall. The average. For the round was 59 points. So if you are a new player and you got more than you got 60 points or more, 
that's fine. You you did better than most of the tens of thousands of people who are. I have not looked at the actual total right now, uh, but you have done better than what this like twenty five thousand people, whatever whoever's how many you're playing. Uh, you've done better than twenty two six six one. Oh, there we go. Twenty-two thousand, twenty-three thousand people. You've done better than than almost twenty-three thousand people. If you got better than sixty, I know that math's not right, but just just roll with it. Um, be happy. That's what we're going for right now. Um, uh, in the top one hundred, though, uh, the average was in the low nineties. I didn't actually figure it up. Maybe yeah. maybe a mid nineties, but uh, I think the top twenty-five percent of those players, so maybe twenty-five ish, uh, got triple digits, and then a whole bunch of nineties after that. So it's Probably low 90s uh, is where you're looking at for an average in the top 100. In the MLS Fantasy Insider Experts Head-to-Head League, our average was 80. So if you got more than 80 points, you're doing better than a lot of the experts that we had. So kudos to you right there, especially you new guys. Uh, congrats on that. Um, let's do a quick review before we get into some of our discussion points. There was a lot of success for budget players. If you already picked up on that, talking about the, the top teams their great day for budget defenders. De Leon got 13 points. He was at that point 5.0. Leardom got nine points. He was 5.0. Though I will say, if you guys noticed this, Leardom got that goal, kind of ricocheted off and got it. I still like Smith because he is sending those, those passes and crosses in, so I think that could pay off in the long run, but we can be able to get to that in defenders, I guess. But uh, Leardom got it in round one. He was at that point 5.0. Uh, Steers over at, at LA, eight points was 5.0. Sorrow, like you already mentioned, 10 points and was 4.5. That's amazing. Um, Henry got 11 over with Vancouver's now. Yeah, and uh, 4.5. And then Figueroa at Houston, uh, eight points at 4.5. So lots of good value there. Uh, we had some people who were asking about budget people to take to keep an eye on so these are some of the names if you want to look at that uh if you're hoping for continued success you can keep an eye on that uh and the midfielders mueller 11 points and he was then 6.5 ivan at new york red bulls 10 points was 5.5 moreno eight points was 6.0 and then bertone my man eight points at then 6.5 with a the killer volley to open up FC Cincinnati scoring <laughs> in that game. We were at no point always behind in that game. Let that be known. <laughs> Let that be known for the history books. Uh, then finally, some of the forwards. I uh, already mentioned Baji got got five points. He was 6.5. Akindeli got seven points. Uh, he was in six. Uh, Lewis got uh, five points, was six. And then Baird at RSL got seven points. And uh, he was 6.5. So uh, budget performances all around, some some good, if you had differentials, that really paid off. As far as the games went, and guys, feel free to jump in and stop me if, if I'm missing something or wrong. Uh, Bradley really started the redemption for Toronto. That was the first upset that we had with the away teams. 3-1 uh, for Toronto. I know people had a lot of uh, concerns about them with CCL, and uh, we're looking at Philly's new look system fantasy-wise. Fabian did pretty well for them, but keep an eye on that Philadelphia team. It may not be gelling as much. Toronto may be on an uptick, so those players may be back into your consideration with yeah, uh, the, fantasy players. The Philadelphia team, I, I ended up with three defenders of theirs because they were all cheap. <laughs> that didn't work. I, Elliot was the highest scoring, and luckily he was the one that I had put on the field, but the other two only got one and two points, and yeah. that was it was not good. Yeah, it was, it was rough. Um Rusnak, someone who was not rough, which we expected, also a road team. Uh, he scored on the road and in Houston, ended up getting a 1-1 draw against Houston. And uh, that's just something to take note because RSL was horrible 
on the road last year. So if that is going to be an indicator of some better things to come in the future, uh, then people should keep an eye on that. It, it may make some of those RSL players uh, people to consider uh, during a proper matchup. Uh, and Resnick's usually the first name on that list. Uh, six goals in Colorado. We talked about that snowpocalypse up there, uh, Snow Classic or whatever you want to call it. Uh, three goals for Colorado, three goals for Portland in that up in a draw. However, I will say the first goal from Portland didn't come clearly until after Valeri's PK when uh, Hoberry got the red card. And for most of it, it was, it was for, I guess, like uh, 70 minutes of that game. It was uh, 10 men for for. Colorado, and they still had a 3-3 draw. That included yeah. that PK and an own goal. So, I mean, I don't think we should look at this as, oh, Colorado is still bad. I think fantasy managers need to keep an eye on these players because there's some skill here, some production, and um, Portland got a little bit of luck. Yeah, and don't don't sleep on this. Uh, Diego Rubio got hurt 30 minutes in right around that same time as that PK. Mm-hmm. So one of their first choice forwards had to come off. And they were down a man, or they, I guess they took him off for the defense. But, I mean, that was three goals, two of them after going down to 10 men and without one of their better harassing pieces up top. Like, this is – Colorado is legit this year, and especially at home. They're going to give everybody a run, and they showed it this week. Uh, that new uh, – the young kid rookie, uh, Shinyashiki. Close enough. For Shinyashiki. First Even better one, uh, for this show. I butchered, butchered one this year, so it has to happen at some point. Yeah, I mean, coming in, getting that 94th minute equalizer. Um, yeah, Colorado is going to give teams fits at home. Uh, the altitude and this attacking core is going to be something we have to watch in fantasy all season long. Uh, between Kamara, Rubio, Benny, um, Acosta got in there with the assist this week. Um, that's just a lot of presence going forward and a lot for defenses to try to track. Something you won't notice going on is Blaine's chair is not squeaking. We had some people talk about that, and he WD-40. Yeah. Look at that. No squeak. No squeak. <laughs> I will um, I'll just say the analytic community is is not necessarily on high, uh, on high as high on Diego Rubio as some other people are. I know he scored a lot of goals, but the rate at which he scored was astronomical. Like there's, there's no way he's going to sustain that over the length of the season. He'd have like 50 goals if that were the case. Um, and so just uh, he's, he's, uh, he, he would come in as the super sub and that was kind of his role and he played it extremely well. Um, and so it will be something to look out throughout the season as, how is he gonna? How does he work with a two-man front instead of a three-man front, um, with only playing with Kamara up there? And um, how, how how does he work into this team as well? So I mean, he got injured, so we didn't get to see much of him, but uh, that one will be something to look forward. But don't trust his numbers from last year as something from going forward, especially yeah. because he's in a new system as well. Yeah, yeah as a sporting fan, I can agree with that. Um, just his work rate for Colorado is going to create good things for everybody else, if yeah. nothing else. Mm-hmm. Uh, mission a few more games going through here. I didn't get to catch it yet, but Minnesota Vancouver, I've heard a lot of good things about. Uh, Minnesota got the win. There you go, Ryan, right there. Uh, 3-2 over Vancouver, but I know we all had a lot of questions about Vancouver coming into this game, and it looks like they do have some skill and some talent and some offense right there. Um, maybe not a defense, but there's some credit to Minnesota there as well for that. Uh, but uh, definitely both of those teams have players to keep an eye on. Don't overlook them as as just 
not helpful as may have happened in 2018 or the past. So uh, some good options there to keep an eye on. Uh, I'll, LA, I'll make one mention about Minnesota sure. that I, I happen to know from a lot of conversations I've had with people. Uh, the two goals that were scored on Minnesota were from set pieces. And that's something that Minnesota struggled with last year. And mm -hmm. it still appears to be something that they struggled with this year. Uh, there were a, there was a, uh, the first goal was scored. Let's say there was I think three defenders didn't mat, didn't mark their man. <laughs> it was it was pretty obvious. And so it's one of those things that uh, I don't exactly know what to make of it going forward. But um, because it seems like that should be something that a team should be able to work on, like just follow your man. Like it's, they just stopped. And so that was it's something that could be worked on as a team, uh, but it could also be an indicator for the future. So keep an eye on if there's teams that get are really good at set pieces, um, Minnesota might be a team down the road that uh, you may want to look into as a, a potential option, especially if you've got um, some guys that take those set pieces, uh, some of those midfielders that are, that are the, the, the main set piece takers, Minnesota might be a good team to, to play them against. There we go. And we will. We had a question about uh, PK takers and set piece takers. We're going to hold off on that one right now. We're going to wait a couple of weeks just so we can have a few more games to look at to see if things may change, uh, especially with the CCL stuff going on. We want to give time for all the teams to sort of settle into their normal normal routine. Uh, LA Chicago, going to mention this one real quick. A couple of us predicted that this could be a goal fest on the last episode, and it was not. 2-1 uh, with some last-minute heroics there at the end. Um, I don't know if this says more for Chicago's defense or LA's defense, or maybe it's just worth keeping an eye on. Uh, but Zlatan got his goal. Uh, there was an injury to Alessandrini, which I think was a big part of this as well, but uh, not as high scoring as we thought. So still keep an eye on these teams going forward. Uh, for me, I want to wait a little bit and see because it's, it's optimistic for their defenses that they didn't really concede much in this game, uh, but – it's the first game, so you never know. Yeah, huge fantasy note here. Um, Nemanja Nikolic has kind of been their go-to striker in Chicago. Um, he looks like a healthy 18, but Sapong got the start. I know Chicago, right before the start of the season, dumped 450K to Philly for Sapong, and Sapong starts the season and gets a goal at the start of the second half, first goal of the game. Looked really good on the road. Mm-hmm. Now, so, I, I did hear that he had just had a child, and so he had been off some time with that. So there is some speculation that Sapong may not continue to start uh, once he's worked back in. Yeah, who's, who's the he in that situation? Who had the uh, Nico. Nico. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah, and that may explain it. I didn't hear anything as to why, but if Nico doesn't start producing and Sapong's going to do that against LA on the road, I mean, I know LA is not the greatest defense, but. Oh yeah, got, got to watch that at seven point four. I mean, that's much better than where Nico's at. Uh, from one one more thing from the analytics community, Sepong has always been pretty high. I mean, he's never been an elite striker, but he's always been pretty high on the expected goals side of things. And a lot of people have said, "Oh, he's just not a good finisher." And I mean, we we over you know <laughs> we typically say, "Well, finishing is not as important as everybody thinks it is." But um, even if he's not that good of a finisher, just the number of chances that he creates. Uh, he's he's up in the and he's probably in I would say the top 20 30 strikers in the league so you can always you can always count on him to have generally good generally good numbers if they actually play him you can't finish if you never try right yeah there you go 
<laughs> how it works. Uh, I will mention again, we touched on it. Uh, the, the beatdown in Seattle, uh, FC Cincinnati, uh, while they got the first goal, ended up losing four to one. Uh, a lot of what happened in their last game against the crew in preseason happened again. They were able to be exploited uh, with some of the, the channels on defense and uh, some of the speed that happened there on the wings to, to get through them. Though I will say that I was right. Uh, they were able to stay compact enough in the middle that uh, Rui Diaz wasn't really able to do much during that game, which was my concern with him last mm-hmm. week and why I went with Ladero. At one point, I also had Rodriguez in my team, but I swapped out for some diversity, uh, which is fine. I got Acosta, which was, I guess, one point more in the long run. Uh, but yeah, a lot of that's happening. Will likely probably still happen as Cincinnati's trying to, to figure things out. Uh, Bobby Warshaw had a pretty rough review of this on uh, the one of the latest episodes of Extra Time, just talking about how the team wanted to probably come out saying we're not afraid of anybody and try to really play both ways. Did not work out. That's not how they're built. And he just said it was bad and brings a lot of questions up. And I kind of agree. I mean, there's the team set up to be a defensive reaction counterattacking team, and that's not really what we try to do. But um, that's a team to bet against, it looks like, going forward. So fantasy managers should keep an eye on that until things start to change. Um, last two games we'll mention real quick. Actually, we're not going to talk about Sporting Kansas City. I already mentioned that. They didn't rotate. Uh, DC holds Atlanta scoreless. That was our only clean sheet of the round. I know people were really hunting for that. Some people were, uh, which we don't always recommend. But kind of a shock to see the defending champions in Atlanta not even score a goal. Uh, CCL, though, is a thing, and I think that played a big part into this game. And DC is no joke. Uh, they were strong at the end of the year. They're at home. Uh, Rooney and Acosta are still linking up very well. And it looks like their defense has solidified a little bit more. So DC's definitely one to keep an eye on for all around team in Atlanta. I wouldn't be super down on them right now, especially uh, wait to see what happens after CCL, who they line up against Cincinnati. There could be some points right there. Although it could be the same story as Toronto. I mean, (laughs) it could be the same story as Toronto. I probably won't go that far, but (laughs) (laughs) all right. So that's what I have guys for the fantasy reviews. Anything else that you want to uh, point out specifically fantasy from this first round? Nope. Uh, I liked that. Um, maybe this is just more a uh, uh, self congratulations, but I liked that uh, I picked Vaco and he got seven points. Um, so uh, yeah. I was happy with that. I, I figured that he was a high floor player that I could get uh, a few points off of, and um, he came through on that. And he might be a good pick against Minnesota this this week as a result of that. So that's yeah. We should mention. I'll, I'll preview right. my uh, my picks later. There. <laughs> Erickson was another one who who got a goal right there. Oh, so. Yeah. Yeah, too. So yeah, uh, San Jose's got some some people to keep an eye on seriously. I think as well. Uh, quick housekeeping before we get to our discussion: there were some cards, some red cards in round one. I want everyone to know about uh, Matias Vero from Houston had uh, two yellow cards and he got sent off, so he won't be playing in the next game. Uh, Axel Hoberry got a straight red card uh, for denial of a goal scoring opportunity, and uh, so he will be out. And then Roger Espinoza got two yellow cards. There were like 400 yellow cards during that game. Um, seriously, there were there were like 10 or 11 yellow cards during that game. So it was almost, wow. it was crazy. Um, but so he will be out as well. Injuries, Blaine already mentioned Rubio, which I wasn't sure if that one was an I'm, injury. I'm or- not sure if that's an injury. The more I look at it, okay, I didn't see the red card when I saw him come off the first so time. So keep an eye on Rubio. I thought it was because of, of the red I, card. Um, I think it is tactical. I think that was my mistake. Uh, two definite injuries. We have LA Galaxy's Alessandrini, which we already mentioned. It looked like a hamstring from what he was doing on the field. And uh, just so you would have an idea, that's usually a three to eight week 
recovery time typically uh three week for a level one hamstring just a pull uh eight is when some of the tearing might start so we're hoping it's not that so we're hoping that maybe he'll be back in three weeks uh, or that they at least give him that much time to sort of rest up uh also sporting kansas city's andrew fantas did i get that right blaine andreu andreu is see, i mean it yeah <laughs> It's like Atreyu from Neverending Story, but Andreu Fantas uh, had a hip pointer injury, which I don't know what that really means, but I looked it up and it usually has a one to three week typical recovery time. And Blaine, you had mentioned that they're hoping to get him back for the 10th, yeah. right? Yeah, he left LA for Kansas City after the game. I believe the rest of the team was headed to Panama for their upcoming game this week. Uh, they're eyeing a return on Sunday versus Philly for Fontas, but I know Vermes won't push this one and risk further injury. So there we go. Maybe a two weeks for him. Uh, then finally, uh, no double game weeks in round two. However, there are two teams that are on a bye. Who are on a bye? Toronto and the New York Red Bulls. Yeah. Uh, so if you're looking for some switcheroo options right there, those would be the great players to put into your field uh, that will definitely not play and screw up your switcheroos. All right, guys, let's move on to our discussion. This is why people, a lot of people are going to be listening this week. Uh, our discussion topic is road team success. And since Ryan's here, we'll throw a little bit of XG into that as well, expected goals. So for everyone, just to get uh, on the same starting foot, there were three away road victories that I think we should point out. And then there were also five draws, most of which were one-to-one. -one. So uh, eight of the 12 games ended uh, with road teams getting points or victories completely, which is not always what we preach on this show about uh, where options could come from. Uh, personally, I think that uh, I know Brian and I had exchanged some messages on Twitter about this, and I was like, I'm kind of surprised to see it, but when I think about it, it's not it's just knock you off your feet, completely blows the, the water up. Um, surprising because there were still a lot of strong attacking teams on the road but uh ryan i'll just let you dig into this uh what's going on with these road teams well this is only one one set of games so far that's, that's what i'd say i'd say i'd use the old analytics classic sample size <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what it is it's um i wouldn't i wouldn't take any of this to mean anything until you can we can look at you know uh 50 60 100 200 games uh, uh, 200 would be a lot probably compared to the rest of the season, but <laughs> maybe 100 games uh, before we can really start saying, is this a trend? Um, had, but uh, who knows? Maybe maybe defenses don't gel as, as well at the beginning of the season and offenses uh, maybe have a better time of it. I don't know. Uh, that's something I haven't quite studied yet. Uh, but from the home and away perspective, I, I, there's nothing that could be said about it right now because it's only one game per team. So that's there's you can't see anything pretty much. And the tradition with MLS is there there is a a noticeable home team advantage, especially when comparing it to other leagues. Very much so. So I think from what what I had looked at, and don't quote me on this one because I don't have the numbers in front of me, uh, but I think it was around. I yeah so whenever I, I do an expected goals model I always multiply the home team by uh, 1.15 or so and I multiply the the away team by 85%. So just by expecting like, based off of their average a typical team will score uh, 15% fewer goals if they're away and 15% more goals approximately if they're the home team. And so you end up with a ratio let's see 
quick math here, 85 over <laughs> um, 115 is equal to, uh, so it ends up, I think it's about a 1. Uh, 1.3, 1.4 times uh, if you're a home team versus if you're an away team. And um, so that's that. That's one of the, I think one of the larger home field advantages in the, I'm going to say the larger leagues in the, in the world uh, for a soccer perspective. Uh, I'll be careful with my words there. I'm not considering it like the big five. You know, don't, don't hate me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I think, yeah, so it, it is one of the larger, uh, one of the larger gaps from uh, home, from a home field advantage perspective. It's, it's been a while since I've read some articles. I think the last thing I read was from, was from 2015. So it's, it's a little mm-hmm. bit, dated, but it was also even saying that uh, that's one of the larger uh, advantages in all of us sports sports in general. Yeah. 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 Soccer itself oh. is, is one of the um, soccer in general because of how much uh, the referee actually has involvement in the game and the ability to impact decisions, impact games with only, let's say one decision penalty kicks, for instance, um, those are um, well known to be much more favored in, in, in um, home matches uh, versus away matches. So, um, that's just that's just one example of, of what a home field advantage constitutes in soccer in general, and then you combine that with uh, um, American sports, and yeah, you see it it's 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 up there definitely. I think hockey is is another one that's fairly high, um, but uh, things like basketball basketball is actually very predictable. Um, <laughs> it it doesn't have as much of of a uh, home field advantage for for sports like basketball, but. Um, other factors play more of a role. There was a, there was a book on this at one point. I think it's called um, Scorecasting. It's a really good read about some of the some of the hidden stuff behind the why in sports. And it's not just all about analytics, but uh, it's uh, it's a really good read if you ever want to pick it up. And it, it talks about how uh, uh, what what is home field advantage actually comprised of or composed composed of. There we go. Nice to check that one out. Uh, yeah. Issue. You're just you're nerding out right there over something <laughs> you love, and I, like I've got a math major myself. I love. Oh, there you go. Statistics, like I just love hearing you nerd out. Stuff <laughs> with a massive hot take. I I just like math. It's a hobby. I don't know. <laughs> We've got three people here that are mathing on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, my mathing didn't help me last week, but yeah, uh, I I, did, I was gonna go massive hot take here. I. I did it for one of the fan forums, my predictions for how every team was going to rank out in the conferences before the season started. Um, The only two surprising results that I have, according to where I kind of ranked my teams, was New England getting a result in Dallas, but I had both of them outside the playoffs. And then Toronto besting Philly as they did, Mm -hmm. which... But I had both of them. I have both of them outside the playoffs, so that the gap between those teams isn't much. It's a road game. Philly is in a formation shift, which I said would hurt them early on. Mm. I still think Philly will finish the season higher up the table than Toronto does, but that's a different story. So I look at all of these road results, and 75 percent of the eight results, so six of the eight, kind of went the way I expected them to. I like the way Salt Lake plays, and I don't think Houston's as good as they're made out to be. I think, and I think Salt Lake's being very underrated right now. Mm-hmm. San Jose, we kind of talked about, was hot garbage. Montreal's got a solid team; they're kind of one of those should be playoff contenders. Uh, Red Bulls are played a a somewhat weakened lineup, but they're one of the deeper teams. Going to Columbus, I like that one. Minnesota's definitely better than Vancouver. Portland's better than Colorado, but Colorado showed a lot of fight. 
I mean, just a lot of these road results were better teams starting their season on the road. And they went in and gave it a good game. That's why we saw a lot of 1-1 draws. That's why we saw a lot of draws. off. The mm-hmm. road team just came in, but they were the better teams going on the road. I mean, New York City to Orlando's another one. Orlando's improved this year. They're not that dumpster fire that we like to point at last year and pick against. New York City's taking a little bit of a downward spiral. But New York is still the better team there. They went down and got the 2-2 draw. Now there's a controversy there or whatever. But... They got that road result, and it's just it's kind of the way the power of the teams laid out. The stronger teams took the road the first game. If you flip all eight of these games and play them at the other at the other location, I say they're all pretty much landslide wins for the home team. You're going to see Salt Lake get a couple more goals. You're going to see New England play a little better. Red Bulls are going to have that better game. So it's just it, it's just kind of the way this one laid out. Um, look at these road results. These are teams that I really like going forward. I mean, Minnesota, maybe not quite so much, but they're definitely an improved team. So look at these results. These are your stronger teams in the league that went on the road and put up good fights this week against the odds because we know how important home field is. So read into it what you need to. This was good performances by some quality teams in tough places to play. Yeah, I think you guys are both right. Uh, what you draw, Lance, what I try to touch on at, at the beginning of the segment um, about the, the quality of the teams, and then Ryan nails it. Of course, this is this is week one. Uh, step one, or one of the one of the first few steps of being a fantasy player and looking at some of these stats is is don't overreact. Uh, lots of things will revert back to the mean when given enough games, and and don't be shocked when when Ryan says a hundred games. Don't think like, oh my gosh, that's that's great. We're talking like four weeks here. I mean that. That's nothing. That, that is well, a drop in the bucket. Is it 12 games per week? So actually that would be yeah. – yeah, Well, we've got some buys coming in here. But, I mean, we're looking like midway through this first half of the season we'll have some, yeah. some good solid numbers to, to yeah. really draw from. Uh, but this is exactly why we always talk about the switcheroo so much. I've got the video over on YouTube. If you're listening to YouTube, just check out – Pachow, I guess is that how you do these things um, for for the for the link right there. Uh, this is why we recommend doing that because if you do feel really good about an away player, you can put them on your bench and hedge your bets with the switcheroo here, get an auto roo going, or or just sort of see what you can do uh, with that gut feeling or go with it. I mean, players like Valeri, Piotti, these people, they're quality players who have the potential to produce both away and at home. I'm not going to throw out the uh, fixture proof label at round one because that's crazy uh and so few people even do actually uh legitimately earn that title but uh it's it's definitely a wait and see guys uh great questions though because i know that was on a lot of people's minds because we do hit this hard but but trust me it'll pan out and maybe after like five or six weeks we'll have ryan back on and if it doesn't we'll be like okay now now what what I can what I can give you from a historical perspective on the the home versus away fantasy points, not just you know our goals scored or not, is uh, so I did write an article about it in uh, for flowfc.com, and um, so that's I've got that on my Twitter feed uh, as my as my pinned post. So if you want to go and check that out, uh, I'll I'll do my shout outs earlier. There we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's. Um, I, I actually ran a regression to figure out what is the most what are the what are the aspects that are most predictive of a defender, a forward, a midfielder, a goalkeeper um, actually scoring any any points. And I took the whole 2017 season to do this, 
And uh, turns out that the by far and away the number one predictor of fantasy points is whether you're home or not, and that's that's just the way it is. However, if you look at the if you look at the the correlations, um, so we've got a it's a, it's called a, it's a point two six correlation, um, and then uh, you take the square of that, and that basically gives you the percentage of a. You're seeing me nerd out again. You're <laughs> uh, so you take the square of that, and that gives you kind of the the percentage of the stuff going on that we can actually figure out with that particular thing. So defenders, for instance, if you pick away defenders, you're basically saying I don't care about eight percent of the score. So point two six is what is that, seven? Uh, yeah. So about about seven percent of a defender's score can be predicted by whether they're home or away. I mean, that's not always the case. This is always, this is on average. Of course, you're going to end up with uh, Graham Zussi, who might be considered one of those almost matchup-proof players back last season. Um, but uh, on average, your defenders are not going to score very well if they're away. Um, and that's by, by far the number one predictor. But even then, th- that's the thing I say about home versus away matchups is the, it is the mo- the highest predictor of um, of success in fantasy. However, you're only explaining around seven percent of a player's um, uh, actual uh, score for the, for you know, for an average week. So it's it it plays a it plays a major role, and it's the biggest factor that you can use. But it it plays about as big of a role as um, let's see. Here's another one. So for midfielders, home field advantage plays about as big a role. A role as their number of key passes, um, so it's it's one of those factors that it is the best one for for in general. But um, it, it you have to just say it, it doesn't explain everything, and oftentimes there will be matchups. I, I have taken a little bit less of a strong stance on the uh, home only players, uh, but it is something, especially for midfielders. Uh, actually, that's. Interestingly enough, that's not the strongest indicator for midfielders, but it is for all the other players. Uh, correction: forwards actually have number of shots. So if you've got a player that shoots all the time, then of course you covered that earlier. Yeah, can't, can't score if you don't shoot. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but it is generally speaking, it's one of the better indicators. But take it with a grain of salt. You can always find some players that you think will end up being a good matchup. You look at the formations and you think they got a week, uh, got a week left, left back, and you got a good right winger. Uh, like Elise or something like that going up against him, then maybe he might end up with a with a good matchup for him, even though he's away. So it's just you got to take it into account. It, it's powerful, but um, there's always some caveats with that. And that's what that's what analytics is. You just it's it's like a eh, it's about here. This is kind of the average of what it typically is, but it won't predict the actual results. <laughs> stuff uh thanks guys for touching this everyone who was thinking about this issue i hope that this information has helped you uh going forward uh, and to maybe know just uh simmer down hold up we'll we'll see Uh, especially you new players uh just just keep having fun doing what you're doing if you want to go with an away player go with an away player it's it's just all about having fun but some of these home players will they'll they'll come in they'll come in you know darwin quintero could score i don't know was it 16 points is that what it was uh, something like that, yeah. yeah. All right, now we're going to move into our round two previews. Uh, really excited to, to do this, and I see Lily has joined us. Uh, 
This round two preview portion of our show is brought to you by ESPN Plus. If you're interested in easily streaming MLS games and to keep up with your fantasy team, uh, head over to MLSFantasyBoss.com right now and click on the ESPN Plus banner in the sidebar uh, to learn more about how you can start your subscription for only $5 per month. Uh, I started doing that last week, and it was pretty easy, and it, it worked out pretty well. Good quality. All right, guys, so let's do this. We're going to start talking about uh, keepers and defenders first. Uh, be sure to mention just sort of your, your general strategies, what you're looking for, who you like, uh, particularly who you like, because I'm going to write that down as part of our chalkboard at the end of the week. So um, I know you're you're sort of still warming up to some of this, Ryan. So Blaine, we'll start with you. Uh, keepers and defenders, what do you think? Yeah, I like always, I start looking kind of for my clean sheets here and... I hate to say it, but Atlanta comes to mind, but I also like the Atlanta attack. So I started looking for my second one because if at most I'm going to take one Atlanta defender here. Um, second team that popped up on my list here for, cause I, I tend to stay home teams with defenders. Just like Ryan said, that number is always better there. Um, sporting Kansas city, even with some rotation kind of bubbled up to the top of my teams. And this isn't me being a homer at this point. Um, I like Philly. I, what I saw from Philly against Toronto was a very anemic attack. They were getting the ball into some dangerous areas, but they weren't connecting those final passes. They weren't really getting the quality shots that I would look for. Uh, sporting, whether it's the first string or the second string, is going to be able to force some errors on that. And Philly's only goal, I think, came from the spot this week. So it wasn't even like they got a good chance from the run of play to get that goal. It came from the spot. So that one just kind of bubbles up. So with that in mind, uh, Melia was kind of my first choice here. And then I went with Sinovic and Fontas is supposed to be healthy. But there's a lot of wiggle room here. Um, they're going to play in Panama again this week and then come back for a Sunday game. So this is a chance where you're going to see somebody like a Smith or a Lindsay or a Wallace come in who may have a little bit better price point here. So that's the other reason why I'm looking at them is it's home team going to potentially be good prices. I'm not sold on Melia, but I just threw him in there for now. Um, I may look at San Jose's keeper because he's still at that cheap price and do the switcheroo there in the Melia. Um, if I was going to take a flyer on a road team, it'd be Minnesota, but San Jose showed that they can link some passes together and got a goal in a Montreal at home. So again, that's the road game that I don't really want to look at. Everything else just kind of made me nervous with, I don't like the attacks I'm seeing coming into the home home teams. And I don't like the way the defenses line up. So, I mean, if I had to rank them, it'd be Atlanta sporting an RSL at home. But I like the I like some other options from both Atlanta and RSL. So Sporting's kind of carrying the bulk of that load. I think there's going to be some rotation in the attack. So I'm not sure if I'm going to want to come in with their with their forwards and with their attacking players. So I'm looking heavy defense right there. All right, Ryan. Yeah. So I'm actually I, I had a similar thought. Atlanta is going to be high up for me. Um, so Guzan, what is Guzan now for price? He's uh, is he just over five? Yeah, I think he's close to six. Okay, all right. Um, so Guzan was a was a keeper pick that I thought I honestly I gotta say I, I gotta go Vega as well from from San Jose because again it's it's hard you can't find a four million dollar um, keeper out there so um, throw him in there if he if he plays and and plays well awesome you're gonna end up with a with with a great score and then you could have one or two million more to spend on something else. Um, 
But if that doesn't work out, I'm planning on going. I might still try to go fry uh, against Colorado. But I like the Melia option as well against Philadelphia. And then I'm going to have a tough decision because we've got three of the better def- better goalkeepers, I think, in, in MLS. And they're all against uh, questionable offensive teams in Colorado, Philadelphia, and Cincinnati. So I don't know which way I'm going to go yet, but it's going to be one of those one of those three, I think, as the switcheroo option if Vega doesn't work out. Which I have I have I have uh, conflict issues with if Vega. I'm hoping Vega doesn't work out, but I'm hoping he is. And it just <laughs> it's interesting to note too that that Vega got one point, gave up two goals, and his price did not drop. Um, I'm not sure. Point oh is did did we have did we establish that four was the floor? I because I thought we had it was a floor. I think we were told it and confirmed it last year that it was a floor. You can't go below four. Okay, so I think the question is the question is why is there a less than four category as the maximum? (laughs) (laughs) You were going to say that same thing. Okay, exactly why I'm like an option, but. just a it quick might have just been a, a fluke, so that's a quick aside with this. Uh, some people have been asking about the price change mechanic, and we don't really know that yet. Uh, just like Ryan said before, we still need a few more games to get this figured out. What I do know about the price change mechanic from conversations I've had and what we know from the website is it is based on player performance with a, a larger weight on the current form as opposed to previous form uh last year it was like a five week rolling form three week average weird kind of thing like that um but that's why you're seeing some of the changes right now it's always a little bit more volatile within the first few games or five-ish games because uh mls has to establish an average for each uh price value essentially and so and it's what they think is going to happen and as players perform that's going to start to change and flow and so if they were off at the beginning of the season um, I mean, it's, or just from their score, like Alessandrini could have done great, but he got one point, so he lost 0.5 because that's the maximum loss or gain, and uh, yeah. clearly they weren't expecting him to only earn one point. So that's why I, I thought, man, I should have gained two million, but then, okay, that's, that's why. <laughs> so, so that's sort of why we're seeing some of this fluctuation. It's gonna even out, uh, but that's what we know right now is it's, it focuses more on the early form than it does later form, which was a big change that people wanted because last year, if you had three good rounds or two good rounds in the past, and then you just did nothing the next two or three games, you could still rise. And they're like, that doesn't make any sense. That guy only, only got one point. Why is he going up? So uh, we, we should learn more than the next few weeks. And we'll try to talk more about that again. Uh, but as yeah. far as the defense, no, go ahead. One general trend I'm seeing just watching this and read your section early on about the budget players highlighting the guys like an Akindeli who started off at 6-0, he went up the full point four with the seven uh, with the seven score. Uh, Zlatan as a premium eleven million, I think went up point two with the same score. So if you're wanting to hedge your bets, he had an eight and he went up point two. Akindeli had a seven, went up four. If you want to hedge your bets a little bit and try to predict the score model a little bit. Your cheaper options are going to be the higher to trend up. Your more expensive options are going to have the higher potential to trend down just based on what seems to be some unwritten thresholds that we don't know. We haven't figured them out, but the guys that are cheaper, like uh, Jordan Morris got the two goals, 12 points, went up the full point five because he started at an eight. He had that lower 
price point. So it seems like the system is looking at it a little bit as if you're a lower price, we expect less of you to earn your money. If you're a higher price, we expect more of you to keep your value. Mm-hmm. And that's good. That should make it a bit bit less spiky as we experienced yeah. last year. So, Well, actually, that is that is the model that they used last year. It was just that it was so quick adjusting. And so uh, what it was trying to do was within a span of two or three weeks, get a player to the value that they should have been had right. they been playing at this level. Whereas, so I think this this is using the same model of we want to get that player to that value, but it's okay if it takes a little bit longer time to do that, which is more what it's kind of a combination it it uh, of what we had two years ago, where it was just what was oh, it like point two million the average, increases. Oh, the average system, I loved it. Yeah, well, it was it was one of those things that it didn't really ever adjust a player down to an appropriate level if they were just terrible, and it didn't really make a certain player ever worth or it made them so much worth that there was always those value players and they never became non-value players if they kept on performing at that value whereas this one will actually require i think a little bit more analysis like last year to say okay i can't just keep on picking the same players every week because of how good they are as a value i have to actually think about okay well this player has now risen to the point that his average plateau is about yeah it's, it's about what he should be for his price range and so then you have to figure out okay now let's go find some other value somewhere else yeah. um, so I, I like i like the fact that it's not that it's changing faster but yeah last year was it was it was a black box model and no one knew it was going on initially so <laughs> Uh, I'll blow through my keepers and defender information right now. Uh, you guys have named a lot of the teams that, that I'm to also targeting as well. Uh, Atlanta uh, is going up against Cincinnati, so I think they're not really getting it yet. I'm also high on Seattle. Uh, Sporting Kansas City could be good. I want to see what they line up with uh, in that game. A lot of those early games, questions for me again, just like last time. Some of these matchups uh, could work. If Vancouver's really got it going, how will RSL do? Minnesota seems to have – have uh, its game going on, so that might work against San Jose, which was okay. Um, and then we've got LA and Dallas, some question marks there. I kind of like that one, though. Uh, LA did struggle a little bit, and they've lost Alan Sandrini, so Dallas is another team that I think has a shot at a clean sheet. I actually have uh, two Dallas players. I have Hollingshead and Cannon right now in my team. Cannon's on the bench, kind of letting me hedge my bets to go if I want to go double Dallas defenders. But I've also got Gonzalez in right now, and I'm thinking of doing a, a keeperoo with Gonzalez, and I haven't decided who I'm going to go with yet. Probably it'll be Vega, uh, just because you never know. I mean, he's he's 4.0. It's, it's, I mean, while if he's a few bonus points, he might rise in value. So uh, that's we're on, there. Uh, while we're on keepers, Vega should be in 100% of lineups until, right, his right, right. Yeah. Uh, until his price rises because you cannot lose money with Vega at this point. He can't go down. If he gets a clean sheet ever, he's going to go up 0.2.3. That's free money from MLS for you. He should be in 100% of lineups. That's what we'd like to call BAM. Those are uh, <laughs> boss bucks right there. Uh, so it's, it's your BAM, TAM, and GAM right there. And BAM's for fantasy. Uh, I've still got Smith in my lineup because I like his uh, his service. And uh, then I've also got Robinson right now as sort of a placeholder for Atlanta because I since they are going to be Cincinnati, I, I – I'm trying to do three Atlanta players, and uh, but I want to see who lines up uh, for sure uh, because uh, you never know with the CCL. Let's move on to the midfielders now. Ryan, we'll let you start this one off. Sure. So I think I'm going to probably stick with uh, 
<laughs> so much for uh, changing my team every week. But uh, I think I'm going to stick with Lodero and um, and Victor Rodriguez because uh, I know that the price changes are going to be more on recent results, but both of them rose by 0.5 million. So maybe some residual will be, will be left over uh, coming next week. And frankly, they've got a pretty darn good matchup against Colorado. Um, like you said, though, I mean, we don't know. Maybe Colorado is better than last year. I certainly hope they are, just for their sake. Uh, but <laughs> um, I think that uh, I think that they still have a good a good matchup against them. And then um, I'm thinking about some RSL midfielders as well. So I've uh, Joel Plata is always a favorite of the analytics community. Um, I I consider him to be RSL's best player, maybe outside of Nick Ramondo. But um, I, I'm always shocked whenever he's not in the lineup, despite the fact that for some reason he isn't in the lineup like a third of the time. But uh, and it's not due to injury either. Say what? He subbed in this last week. He did, yes, and he got an average of one point, which makes him so that he's yeah. He actually went down point four, which now is making me reconsider putting him in my lineup. <laughs> snack? What about a rest snack? I man, he's expensive. That's true. It is that is a hefty price to pay for. What did he get last week? Did he rise quite a bit, or he scored a goal last week? So I think I he probably won a few. He was probably ten last week. He's ten point five now. Yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. Oof, if we're if we're keeping our forwards in here that we want, and I'm guessing I know a forward that's going to be on a lot of people's minds. Um, <laughs> then uh, I think, yeah, I. Plata is just so cheap. I mean, eight point six for a for a midfielder that, if he starts, that's always the problem. I, I don't ever know if he's going to start. So if it, how early do they play? Do they play early? Uh, RSL plays at six, so they're playing. You would still have a shot at a San Jose player or or another Seattle player. Seattle, sporting or Minnesota. NYC. Ah. Eh. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think I'll do that, and then um, somebody from RSL, probably Plata, but somebody. There's a, there are, there's a couple other budget ones in there. Um, so one of you, one of you guys mentioned Baird. Oh, he's a forward. Never mind. We'll wait on those guys. Blaine, um, who are you thinking? Yeah. Well, um, I ran four premium players last week, and I'm gonna run four again this week, and. Three of them line up in my midfield, and that's Rusnak, Acosta, and Ladero. I am taking Acosta on the road against New York City. Um, they they were, I mean, it was a road game to Orlando, but they gave up two and should have given up a third off the penalty there at the end. I mean, again, controversial call that went their way. Um, I think Acosta can carve them up in, on the road, especially playing on that small field. I just, I like the way this one's going to go. If, if New York can't hold him in check, he's going to get fouled a lot. And so that's just points for us, too. Um, Ladero is just, I mean, we saw what he can do. His average is up there. I think there is going to be some residual holdover, and that also goes in Acosta's favor. I'm going to bring in Rodriguez for this one as well. Um, uh, Colorado's playing that diamond. That's going to mean he's got a lot of space to work in on the wings. Um, I think Morris could be this other option here as well. Um I won't do it, but I could see if uh, Homer wanted to grab Rodriguez, Morris, and Ladero, it paying off for them this week, playing home against Colorado. Just there's going to be space to work in. And then I've got Shea on there. Um, he looked good in CCL. He's 
he's got that left foot. He's getting forward. He's he's and he's under that five million mark and mm-hmm. really kind of driving the attack down that left wing. And eventually he's going to break it open and score some points. And I think this could be the chance for it. Um, as you said last week with Rui Diaz and you called it, they're going to clog the middle, which may hurt Martinez, but that could leave a lot of space for Shea to work in and whip a lot of balls in this week. So those are kind of the five I'm looking at here. Shea is cheap enough where I could do a auto switcheroo with him, either to a defender, bring him in late, or just there's some, there's some cheap options floating around that could possibly work into this lineup. Yeah. It's uh it's interesting choices, uh, for for this round because there are lots of solid matchups and teams with multiple players you could go with. Uh, Shea is definitely a good value option. Didn't perform as well uh, against Sporting Kansas City, but I mean, or sorry, that was Sporting Kansas City. Um, didn't perform as well uh, last week against DC, but uh, that's a tough game. Let's just let me just be fair, but that was a tough game. So he has them well in CCL. And if you need a budget midfielder, he is probably the go to budget midfielder this round 4.9, I think is what he is. And uh, Cincinnati does have has issues right there. Uh, for me, I'm also going with Ladero. I had uh, V Rod in my team early on. I actually swapped him out, changed up some stuff. Uh, and I got him Pity Martinez. Uh, I He's really legit just a placeholder right now because I know he didn't start last game. Uh, that changed pretty quickly because they were in trouble and they needed some of that playmaking in there. And so I'm wondering if they'll decide to rest him again during for Cincinnati, since it should be an easier game, or if they're going to be like, we need points. We need them. Now we're at home. People want to see pity. We're playing pity. So if if pity plays against Cincinnati, I, I I may stick with that, that big money right there, but I got to get some value someplace else. So I've got uh, Frankowski from Chicago. Uh, He, he did okay. In, in that last game, Orlando's defense, not solid still, um, but he's really a placeholder as I'm still examining options. Another one that I'm looking at is uh, Erickson. We mentioned him before. He was playing just under Wando, kind of a second striker sort of deal, but he's technically a midfielder at 7.4. I thought he was a pretty good value as well. So those are some of the guys I'm looking at right now. Um, I also like Rusnak. Uh, but he was with my budget right now. Did not work. If I if I don't go with pity, I'll probably add in Rusnak, and then I'll swap uh, probably Frankowski for for Shea to get that uh, Atlanta coverage. Uh, let's go on to forwards now, Blaine. Yeah. So I said um, four premium players. The fourth one shows up right here, and that's Joseph Martinez. Um, I know. I know what you said, Reed, uh, since he shut down Rui Diaz, but he still managed to get a goal on that. I think Martinez is the better overall striker than Rui Diaz. Um, Cincinnati being on the road here, just I like I like this matchup. I, I don't see how you can justify not taking Martinez unless you're bringing in somebody, unless it's to bring in somebody like a Ladero or a Rusnak who's probably got a better home matchup and a little bit mm-hmm. more consistent points floor. But that said, I don't think you want to skip out on this when Martinez is averaging a goal a game or almost a goal a game in his MLS career. He didn't get one last week. He's due. And he's beyond due at this point. I mean, this could be an easy multi-goal game. And while you may be able to justify it, you do not want to miss out on this if he has a multi-goal game. I mean, this is your go-to forward here. 
Um, because I'm throwing all the money at the midfield, I've actually got Corey Baird in from RSL as the forward here. 6.9, got a goal last week or an assist last week, uh, just putting in some good work. Yeah, it was an assist last week and two attacking bonus points. So that's that's pretty good for a forward considering we don't get bonus points very often from this position. Even if he doesn't get the goal or the assist, a couple of bonus points at his price is not going to hurt too much. Um, you can't take six midfielders, so you got to find that second forward to go in in a, in a 5-2 lineup because you don't want to be starting four defenders this week. Um, he's my go-to here on just... Yeah, I'm hoping for a goal at home on this one. Vancouver looked okay, but I think RSL's that legit here. I think uh, he's due is a statistical or analytical trap that a lot of people fall into. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that I wouldn't say anything, but I I probably would have said something. (laughs) Well, go ahead and keep saying things. Who are you looking at? Okay. Uh, well, I'm looking at uh, Corey Baird from RSL. He's 6.9, and uh, he got seven last week. What did he get? Did he get a good goal? He got an assist, and he played, and he got two bonus points. I I forgot. Did you mention him, Blaine? Yeah. Okay. All right. I I was I was looking at my other screen, and I was. Jay will be attention. happy we're recapping, giving Baird all this attention. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, and then um, right now I have uh, Josef in. Uh, in my in my central forward starting position here, um, I am a little worried because I am trying to go for increase in in value. That because of the negative point four that he got last week um, in value, that that will be somewhat carried over. I don't imagine him getting back to eleven million again if he uh, even if he does do a a double. Uh, he gets a brace or something like that. I don't imagine him getting back that value, um, but he might be worth the risk. Like you said, it's. I'm not going to say he's due, but uh, he is a very good striker in hopefully what is a good system, and you would expect him to get. Uh, I think he uh, his expected goals last year was somewhere in the point uh, seven to point nine goals uh, expected per game. So really really freaking good so it was um I'd, I'd say i'd go with him and then i've got Monotas right now starting as well and uh he's 9.7 he increased by 0.2 million last week and so he could have a chance to go up and carry some of that value uh but he got the he i think he got a goal yep so you'd be relying on his goal scoring i don't think he's gonna get many bonus points at all but um yeah, he played the he played the full ninety, I think, and he got a, got a goal off of that. So I'm hoping to carry his price rise. But Houston's got a great matchup against Montreal. Um, I I don't know if Montreal's really shored up their defense all that much, and um, they got rid of half their defenders and then didn't bring in that many more <laughs> new ones. From what I remember, don't call me on that, but um, that uh, looks like a, a juicy matchup for Houston as well. So I've got two forwards and uh, I also have Joseph Martinez. So I'm, I'm with you guys this week. I won't say he's due either. I'll use some other buzzwords that may be more palatable. Uh, he has a scoring frequency that uh, to, to uh, make him consistent. And, and that can be uh, not always viewed as an outlier for the, the charts so, that I, I hit some good some good words there we go <laughs> that word. uh no i mean i like joseph uh 
I think Rui Diaz was more susceptible to, to getting shut down than maybe um, Joseph is. Uh, he he does just kind of get in through those slots, and that might be able to be exploited with Cincinnati. But who knows? They may just go completely bunker, and uh, all these Atlanta picks aren't going to work out, uh, or he gets yeah. rested. So we'll see. I've got Joseph. I think Seattle's worth going all in, uh, just like Atlanta's worth going all in this round. Because uh, Colorado's going to be missing – Axel, and so that's definitely a starting defender that they're not going to be having. So, and they're going to travel some this week. So, I think that's those are two teams that are worth going all in with. It's just who, and I, I think one defender is okay for Colorado. Um, maybe it's a, a switcheroo just to see what happens with Rubio and Kai. But right now, I've got Morris on my team. He got that point five, so so getting that brace is clearly more than he was expected. Um, some of that form that price may carry over and some of that form may carry over as well, especially uh, if, if they are a little bit weak there, if they have to shift over to try to cover Ladero, that's going to get Morris open on the right. Maybe he's going to get some of those assists from Smith. That's what I'm hoping for. Ultimately that would be fantastic. Uh, but if I don't end up going with, with uh, V rod, then I'm probably going to go with Jordan Morris who I have right now. That's uh, because I was really impressed with, with his, his work and what he's doing right there. Uh, on the bench right now, uh, like I'm tossing around who, who that budget player is. Some of it's going to depend on who I have in the midfield and what kind of money I have left over. Uh, right now I have a Fori with, with New York City FC. Uh, I heard Mike talking about it earlier, though, and he was cautioning that there could be lots of rotation still with New York. So uh, he was a $6 million, uh, Actually, he's actually a midfielder. I thought he was a forward. I have a, I have a scrub forward up there right now. So scratch that, add him to my midfielder list. Um, but uh, I'm also looking at Baird. As a as a possible option for for a, uh, a forward, that may be a situation where I have uh, another scrub midfielder in there and have Baird on the bench to see who who I like of a three bench option to to go in. Uh, but we'll see. There's some good options this week. Uh, captains, who are you guys looking at right now, Ryan? I feel like I have to go with Nildero again. It's he's just too good. I I don't know that there's anybody else on. I mean. He, what are the good matchups? You got Sporting Kansas City. I wouldn't pick anybody on them as a captain. You got Atlanta, maybe Joseph, but again, I don't. I, he he does get goals, but that's a lot of what he relies on. And so I want with a captain pick. I usually want to go with somebody that I know is going to score at least some consistent points. Uh, maybe that's why I never get first place at anything. Is I'm just take the safe road. Huh? I'm always <laughs> consistently above average, <laughs> but. Uh, I, I don't know. I think Seattle's just got a good matchup. And um, the only other person that I might consider maybe would be somebody along the rail, uh, rail set lake line. Uh, I always like Plata, but again, he's too much of a risk to start. So I got to go Ladero. Blaine. I haven't given Lily the opportunity to pick my captain yet, but I always drive up. I always draw up three cards for her. And the three names I'm throwing on there are Martinez, Ladero, and Russ Snack this week. Hey, um, I, I'm the exact opposite of Ryan. I always go for the home run and pray that it balances out in the end. So <laughs> I sacrifice. Yeah, I think I sacrifice six points for round one by picking Zlatan over Ladero. In the grand scheme of things, I lost out, I think, on six points. Mm-hmm. That's not terrible. And so if I were to go Martinez this week and he gets the hat trick and Ladero does typical Ladero things, I could easily make up those six points by captaining two forwards in a row. Mm-hmm. But I'm giving Lily two midfielders this week to choose from in Ladero and Rusnak because I think both of them have the averages at home that will propel them into being two of your better captain choices this week. 
I will get this out on Twitter and stuff when Lily picks my captain for me. Um, right now, I've got it on Martinez, switching back to Ladero and back and forth while I keep updating my lineup. But I'll let Lily pick, but that's kind of my view on this, and I'll get you my captain pick this week. So right now, I'm in a very similar situation. Uh, I have Ladera on my team because he is definitely one of my top two captain options. Uh, Martinez is in the running for that because I think Cincinnati could give up some points again. However, if Pity Martinez plays, I will likely put my captain on him because I like captaining midfielders, uh, especially the offensive midfielders, because they have those bonus point chances more so than forwards, like I've already mentioned. Uh, so the chances for goals and assists and crosses and key passes and all of that good stuff, uh, I think makes a midfielder usually a, a better option as a captain. Uh, but of course, Blaine, I, you're absolutely right. If you get a hat trick and have a captain, which has never happened for me because I tend to always like midfielders, um, I tend to miss off on that big payoff and that, that can't help. But I, I think that's, that's hard to guess. And so I think midfielders are more consistent. Hmm. One that's thing about pity forward every week, and then you just you get it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> One thing about pity um, that I ended up uh, I just looked up right here. So he played 31 minutes, and he got uh, or he he had 31 passes. So that is a pretty good level. There's there's not many players that that average more than 80 passes a game. Um, that's like that's Lodero amount of passes there <laughs> just to put him on that level. So if it's a very, very, very small sample size, but if he maintains that level of passing, um, that could bode extremely well for his his future just from an even even from a bonus point perspective. Mm-hmm. So but again, it will depend on what happens. Uh, quick turns around, quick turnarounds for Atlanta. I think it's uh, four games after their CCL and then. And then that's the MLS game, and then three games before the next. So there's there's some quick turns around. Maybe it's maybe it's four four three between CCL MLS and the next CCL game. Uh, so there's there's some quick turns around. So there could be resting, though that's not always a word in the Atlanta vocabulary. So we'll see what happens with Penny Martinez at home, uh, home opener. They they may want want him to be there for sure. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for those player picks. I hope those of you listening found that helpful, especially those those new players who are still getting into the swing of MLS things. We're happy to have you as part of the MLS Fantasy family. Uh, wrapping things up now, we're going to move on to our MLS Fantasy Insider hosts, head-to-head experts, Invitational League, uh, and also our Patreon League, which I'm going to start out with. I'm going to sound off the Patreon names uh, in the next episode or two. A few people are still subscribing, so I want to get as many as I can in the first go-around. Uh, but thank you to all of our new patrons who have subscribed and donated to the, the podcast. Our prize league is the head-to-head league. At least this season, I may switch it up and do the overall season, the overall league as our, our fall prize league. But at least this season, we're doing the head-to-head league. So a lot of fun. You never know what's going to happen in head-to-head. Uh, right now, we have Michael Bredjik uh, of uh, FC Star Fox, who is leading the way uh, with his goal differential. Uh, we have Bryce Littman of uh, Bryce Union, uh, in second place, and then we have our friend, fellow Cincinnati fan, RJ Gage of Law Dogs, uh, who is third place in the Patreon League. So those guys are all in, in the running for prizes. We give prizes to the top three players, so um, it's going to be be a lot of fun. You guys are doing well. In our experts League, I already mentioned we had an 80-point average. Um, right at the top right now, we have uh, Ryan, who's sitting with us. <laughs> uh, did not get the highest score, but he has no. the highest point differential plus 25 points on that so that's good uh so in other words i'm lucky 
Hey, you're above average. <laughs> Small sample size. <laughs> um, classic, classic uh, fantasy help for here. Jason Seguini, top score, 101 points. Our only triple point score this round. He did he did very well. Uh, we also have uh, updates for ourselves. I lost a close game to uh, Fantasy Football 24-7's um, Mito. That was, uh, I think I mathed wrong, and I was I thought we were going to draw, but uh, Alex Andrini and, and Wynn definitely let me down for that one. Um, Blaine, you lost to Jason, which he got the most points, so nothing to yeah. do about that. There were only uh, six scores higher than mine this week, <laughs> and I happened to get one of them. Like, uh, that's um, head-to-head, though. I love it. I wouldn't change it for anything. Love it. Mike lost to uh, one of our top Patreon supporters, uh, Sherry Snyder. So good job, Sherry, coming out uh, hard against Mike right there. And then uh, just also want to point out that looking at the MLSFI crew versus the Extra Time crew, we did pretty good uh, overall. Both Bobby and Doyle finished below all of us, I think, in the 60s. Um, one of them may have had a 70 score, but they finished both below us. Uh, Weeby and Ben did really well, though. Uh, Weeby had a very strong score, and he won his first round. So uh, hashtag redemption for Weeby seems to be happening this season. Um, but I think a, a good, solid showing for the MLSFI crew against the Extra Time crew plus Ben uh, at the beginning of this of this season. So uh, lots of fun, lots of fun. Keep up for that. We're going to keep following up on that and, and sending out some banter. Uh, that's all that we have for the show today. Uh, final plugs, Blaine. Um, nothing much for me. I'm trying to figure out what my next fantasy boss article is going to be. Um, I think Enjoy we got a new WD40. Yeah, WD40. I guess I got to give them a shout out. My chair doesn't squeak tonight. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, Ryan, now, I think oh, I think we got a new writer this this last week who really wanted the article that I was lining up for. And by all means, I will hand off articles like that when we got somebody in, involved that really wants to do something. I'm excited to read his piece coming up this week just to see what he's going to do with it. It's a, it's not one I've written in the past very often, but hey, we got an excited new writer out there. So go check him out. Uh, Reed, what's his name again? Is that Trevor? Hey, Trey. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I didn't, uh, I should have mentioned him earlier, but yeah, Trey's going to be writing some stuff about um, player options that you have in response to injuries and big breaking news. So, yeah. So I guess my plug would be hit us up, tweet at Fantasy Boss, tweet at MLSFI, tweet at me, however you want to get out there. What article we're missing that you want to see us do, and I'll just grab it. I mean, Trey wants to Trey wants to do this one. That's kind of what he came in and asked to do before he even saw our breakdown. So I'm excited to see his work, but hit us up with what you want us to write, and I'll see if I can bring it to you. Ryan, what you go again? All right, so I'll uh, I'll plug at MSF. MFS MLS fantasy stats uh, on Twitter. And I've got, uh, like I mentioned before, I've got my pinned, uh, my pinned tweet. There is my, is the link to the flow FC article on using analytics to build out your lineup, especially if you are running short on time and need to pick some people based off of very few bits of information. Uh, so that's one thing to, one thing to look at. And I'll give a shout out to, I'm a part of American soccer analysis as well. And uh, I've written one article for them so far, but they've got a lot of other good content. Uh, they did um, some fantastic uh, team previews as well that you should go go check out. Uh, they pro- we'll see how good their uh, projected lineups are. That, that <laughs> some of them didn't work out very well, but um, they're, they're always a good follow. They'll give you all the analytics side of things. And then if you want another guy that uh, uh, he doesn't know that I'm doing this, but if you want another guy that's really good with the an- both the analytics side of things and with fantasy. Uh, I would follow at Dummy Run 
at, excuse me, at the dummy run. I should, yeah, there we go. At the dummy run. And um, he's, uh, he's way more active on Twitter than I am. And he's, uh, he's funny and um, also throws in a lot of good analysis side of things too. So he's a, he's a good follow. We'll try to get him on the show sometime. Yeah. Ryan also gets stuff on fantasy boss every now and then usually it's just a chart here or there, but uh, yeah, check out his stuff. Uh, and of course, for me, you can check out everything that I do over at MLSFantasyBoss.com uh, and r slash fantasy MLS subreddit. You can check out this podcast and extras over at YouTube. And also, please be sure to sign up for the new MLS Fantasy Newsletter that I am doing. You can uh, just, just Google search for MLS Fantasy Newsletter. It brings up the subscription. There's also a link on, on Reddit and my Twitter, and I'm going to have it on Fantasy Boss soon. Subscribe to that. Uh, I'm answering questions and giving a bit more personal breakdown as far as what to look at for uh, each round. Uh, it's not going to be the fantasy picks per se. It's just kind of giving general advice and tips to help, uh, especially new people. We want to get you guys involved in this fantasy community. So subscribe to the newsletter. Get my advice and tips straight to your inbox. And you'll also see some of Skylar's uh, positional rankings connected mm -hmm. with that as well. So head over to 